Hey, good morning, everybody. So uh, today we're starting a brand new eight-week series, and it's called uh, Normal, or different because normal isn't uh, working. And normal isn't working, right? I mean, if there's one thing that nearly everybody can uh, agree on is that we live in weird times. We live in troubled times. More than ever, people feel fearful. They feel uh, anxious, lonely, stressed, financially stressed. The world certainly seems more divisive and polarized than we've ever seen it. But as Pastor Mark shared last week, it is an opportunity for the gospel. It is an opportunity for the kingdom of God. And we must be more determined than ever to think differently and to live differently. Because the darker the world is, the brighter the church can shine. The brighter the gospel can shine, the brighter the kingdom of God can shine. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, hear it from that perspective. It says, do all things without grumbling or complaining that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. This is calling me to quit grumbling and complaining about the circumstances and to start shining as a light. And in the, in the course of this series, what we want to talk about are eight things that we are called to be different in that will make us shine as lights in the world around us. And our, our topic today is community in an isolated world because one of the ways that we are called to shine and be different is in how we love each other and the community that we share through the bond of the Holy Spirit. The world can certainly be a lonely place. Even with people all around us, we can feel lonely. Even before the virus hit, so this was back in 2019, social scientists were raising the alarm over what they called the behavioral pandemic of loneliness in Western society. Studies showed that 60% of Americans reported feeling lonely, and one-third of them said it wasn't just occasional, but it was chronic. And here was the other interesting thing that came out of that study is that the younger you were, the more likely you were to feel that way. Said 80% of Gen Zers said that they felt lonely. And I think we all understand that the isolation from COVID has only made that worse. Uh, many of us listening here today may feel that way. And it is against that backdrop that Jesus gives us a different way that we are to follow. Uh, at the Last Supper, if you remember this account, right? This is the night before Jesus' death. The Last Supper, Jesus had just washed his disciples' feet. The next day, he's going to be the atonement uh, for our sins. And, he's, and on that night, here's what he says. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And it is by this that all people will know 
that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus said our love and our community that we experience as God's people should be so distinctive that the world stands up and takes notice. And that is exactly what happens in Acts chapter 2, which is a partial fulfillment of what Jesus is talking about here. I want to read that passage to you. And I, I want to read starting in verse 42, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This is, an, this is a example of the fellowship of the early believers. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together. And they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So picture that scene, right? I mean, just, just for a moment. They, they met together daily in the temple courts and in their homes. They, they ate together, they, they prayed together, they shared what they had with one another and all with glad and generous and joyful hearts. People from all walks of life, people from all backgrounds, all ethnicities and the world took notice. They had favor with all the people and the Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. Uh, you know, as far as the world taking notice when we act a little different, uh, I, I, I was recalling a few weeks back when I had breakfast with uh, one of my friends, BJ. Now, BJ is an African-American guy who's a men's ministry leader out at Emmanuel Missionary Baptist Church on, in a tough neighborhood on, on the east side of Indianapolis. And they are doing a bang-up job of ministry on the east side. And BJ knows some of our men in the church here and our men have done various things together. And when, when all of these um, riots were erupting, BJ and I agreed that we needed to have a good talk together. So we met at a Denny's on Post Road. And we, we, were, uh, we were talking about serious things for a while because there are serious things going on in our world that require serious conversation. But we were also just enjoying each other's company. I love him, he loves me, even though we come from different backgrounds, different perspectives at times, we love each other because there's this bond of the Holy Spirit that exists. And so we're laughing and talking and enjoying each other's company. And we notice people around us are kind of like, like looking at us, the, wait, the waitress is, that, you know, she, she's like, she didn't say it, but it's almost, you almost felt like people were thinking, aren't you guys supposed to like be hating on each other? Like what's going on over there at that table? Why are you guys loving on each other? But that was the power of the Holy Spirit, right? 
that God can take people from different backgrounds and perspectives, put us together, and there's a reconciliation and a peace that happens through the bond of Jesus Christ. That's what was happening in Acts 2 also, because remember at Pentecost, Jews from every nation were coming together and were coming to the Lord, and were now gathering as the church. And every Christian is called to participate in this new community that the Holy Spirit forms. Sometimes we can get to thinking, well, I don't, right, I don't need God's church. I don't need God's people. It's just Jesus in me is enough. But I'll tell you, the Bible knows nothing of that thinking. Jesus knows nothing of that thinking. The early church knows nothing of that thinking. While my faith is personal... I am called to practice it inside of gospel community. That's what the scriptures call me to do. So how can we do that? How can we take steps into a deeper experience of that community that we see in Acts chapter 2? How can we be more like a people like that and shine in the midst of a dark world Around us, I want to suggest three things, sort of like rungs uh, on a ladder, and I want to point them all out from Acts chapter 2, right? And they're sort of like rungs on a ladder because in a way, they build on each other. And we're all in a different place when it comes to our experience of this community. So that really the question is, wherever you are in your experience of community, what is the next rung? Or what, what is the step that I can take to deepen my experience of it, like Acts chapter 2, all right? And what I have found is that to practice community, I need to put some disciplines into my life in order to do that. And I want to emphasize that disciplines are not the same as legalism. You know what I... Do you know what I'm talking about when I say legalism? Legalism is the false idea, the wrong idea, that I have to do certain things in order to be saved. We are saved purely when we depend on the grace of Jesus Christ. Legalism says, no, you also need to do A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, and then you'll be saved, okay? Disciplines, however, are not legalism. Disciplines simply help me to do what is good for me even when I don't feel like it in the moment or it's not comfortable or it's not convenient, but if I have a discipline in my life, it helps me to structure myself in a way that is good. And let's be honest, sometimes for us uh, introverts, and I put myself in that category, community is something that takes a little bit of discipline. But as we do it, it becomes a source of great joy. It becomes a source of great blessing for us, all right? So I want to suggest a few disciplines and point them out from Acts chapter 2, okay? Here's one. Here's the first rung on the ladder. It's to gather, to make a choice, to gather for weekly worship, to gather for weekly worship. And that's what we see in Acts chapter 2, in fact, it, they're doing it daily in Acts chapter 2. It says, day by day, attending the temple together. I mean, they weren't just committed to public worship. They were, like, excited by it. Uh, they wanted to do it uh, every, every day. And as the gospel spread 
throughout the Gentile world, what we see in Acts is that Christians began to shift their worship primarily to the first day of the week, which is Sunday, because Sunday was resurrection day, right? Friday, Good Friday, Christ died on Friday for our sins, was raised from the dead by the power of God on Sunday. In fact, Sunday morning. And so that's why Christians traditionally worship together on Sunday morning because it's a weekly reminder of the resurrection. We are praising God on resurrection morning every week. But as we know, the worries of life The cares of life, the concerns of life can begin to crowd out our love and excitement for worshiping together. And so that's why the writer of Hebrews gives a reminder, gives an exhortation. He says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Right? So, so we can see that even in the early church, right, there, there was a need for that exhortation to not neglect it. And we understand that, don't we? Because we need the same uh, exhortation often. I love the word picture that's in Psalm 92. Let me read it to you. This is verse 12 and 13. It says, the righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like the cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord and they flourish in the courts of our God. To flourish, we need to be planted in the house of God. And I am so glad that my parents planted me in the house of the Lord. My parents came to faith in Christ Jesus when uh, we were in elementary school. And so all of a sudden, the family had this new habit of going to church on Sunday morning. And we weren't always thrilled about that as kids. We we're like, why are things changing? Why are we doing things different? Why are we going with all of these people and singing songs on Sunday morning? What's going on? And like any kid, we sort of bucked that a little bit uh, at first. But I am so glad that my parents chose to plan us in the house of the Lord. And I know that I'm reaping the blessings from that. And so, moms and dads, I just want to give you encouragement that as you make a choice to plant your family in the house of God, you are helping your family flourish. So don't give up on that. What I have found, and maybe, and maybe you have too, is that weekly worship with God's people is a capstone discipline, meaning that when I'm in church regularly, the other disciplines tend to flow down more easily, right? Like personal Bible reading or prayer, ministry, outreach. And when I'm not in gathering regularly with God's people, then those things also tend to suffer. And why would that be the case? Because we need the encouragement of being together. We need the encouragement of others in our life. And when we have that, all of those other things tend to flourish as well. And that's what the writer in Hebrews says, right? That we should not neglect meeting together, uh, but rather encourage one another. We gather to encourage 
one another. Americans, however, are putting less and less priority on weekly worship. And sometimes we just need to frame reality for a moment. A, a Barna poll uh, showed that in 2008, so 12 years ago, one half of practicing Christians were in worship on any given week. However, 11 years later, in 2019, that same poll showed that it was down to one-third of practicing Christians are in worship on any given Sunday. That's a big shift in a short period of time. Wouldn't you agree? A half down to a third. So just to be honest, we all understand it is easy, it is easy to get out of the habit of doing that, and yet it is a capstone discipline. And COVID, COVID has made that even worse. And so I want to issue a challenge to all of us that we would make that a priority in our lives again, and if possible, uh, in person. That's not always possible when it's safe for you to do so, but when it's possible that we would make it a priority again. Streaming technology is incredible. It's awesome. I am so glad that uh, we have it. But what we miss, what we miss with that is the relationships. We miss the community part, which is so essential in our lives. So there's the first rung on the ladder, okay? Here's the second rung on the ladder that we see in Acts chapter two, and that's to participate in a small group, to participate in a small group. Going back to Acts 2, 46, it says day by day, attending the temple together, and then here's what I want you to note, and breaking bread in their homes. See, the Acts church had a dynamic, you'll see there, of a large group gathering and a house-to-house -house gathering or a small group gathering. And that same dynamic helps us build community too because it's in a smaller group that we can know each other. We can know and be known. It's in a smaller group that we can go from just proximity with each other or to each other, to participation in each other's lives. So what goes on in a small group? Well, Acts 2.42 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. <laughs> and when we gather in our groups, that's exactly what we want to be devoted to also. A lot of times around here, we'll call that the three-legged stool of groups, word, prayer, and fellowship. If you take one leg out, the stool's kind of wobbly. But with all three, it'll carry some weight. When we open the Bible together, when we pray for one another, and when we care about one another and have fellowship with each other, that's that three-legged stool that gives strength. Starting this week, 100 different groups are going to be meeting all across our church and community. Uh, 48 of them are eight-week different life groups that are tracking this eight-week series uh, together. But there's a huge variety of ways to connect around here. There's a place for you, and it's not too late 
even to get in on one of the eight-week uh, different life groups. Um, there is, in fact, groups that still have some room for you are, are featured underneath the pop-up tents as you exit the church. And so you can easily find one that could work for you. And it's just, it's just an eight-week commitment that you're making to experience a little bit of fellowship and growth with your church family. The other thing you can do is you can just choose to invite a few people over to your house and have your own uh, group there for eight weeks. And we would love to help you do that if you want to do that. Just let us know uh, at guest services and we'll get you squared away with that. So the first two rungs of weekly worship and small group, they really just set us up for this third rung. They really just give us the opportunity to practice the third rung, which is this, to learn to love like Jesus. And you're like, love like Jesus? Like, that seems like a really high bar. <laughs> like, I don't think I could love other people like, like Jesus loves. But, but that's, what, that's what we're called to do. Look again at John 13. He says, that Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. So I'm supposed to love you like Jesus loved me, and you're supposed to love me like Jesus loved you. Well, how did Jesus love us? Sacrificially, right? Like he gave his life for us. Remember the example of the washing of the disciples' feet, like, like, like sacrificial kind of love. And we see that example, don't we, in Acts chapter 2, verse 45. It says, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need, right? They were sacrificially helping one another. And really, in a, in, in a healthy church, the same sort of thing is happening in various ways. I, I love how Megan Hill um, writes about this in her, uh, her new book, A Place to Belong, Learning to Love the Local Church. Uh, but she writes, she writes this. She says, the church is not a man-made society that we can participate in or opt out of according to our own level of comfort. The PTA, the Neighborhood Association, the Library Booster Club, they don't obligate us to personal sacrifice when things get tough. Family does. Because God's people are our family, we hold our own preferences and priorities loosely. We will open our hearts and our doors. We will pull up another chair to the dinner table. We will add another name to the prayer list. We share our groceries and our furniture and our smiles. We will also share our grief and our trials and our disappointments. And we will look for ways to show love. As a result, we can expect to have less money and less free time than we would have on our own. We will even expect to have added sorrow at times. But we will also expect to have great joy. It's true, isn't it? You know, when the Bible talks about love, it's not primarily talking about a feeling or words we say. It's primarily talking about an action, something we choose to do to each other. And we say, well, what does that 
really look like, though? What does it really look like to love each other in God's house? Well, the way it looks is the one another's of the New Testament. Maybe you've never heard that term, the, the one another's, but there are a series of one another commands sprinkled all through the New Testament letters. <laughs> and they say things like this, serve one another, accept one another, pray for one another, forgive one another, welcome one another, bear each other's burdens, be devoted to one another, honor one another above yourself, teach one another, submit to one another, encourage one another, contribute to the needs of one another, be hospitable to each other, help each other, be patient, be kind, be forbearing, be gentle to one another. Those are some of the one another commands that help us give shape. Say, oh, that's what it means to love one another. And when we do that, that is what makes us shine as lights in the world. As I learn to do those things just in my everyday relationships, that's what it means to learn to love like Jesus. So God just mashes all of us together, right? He takes people every age, every background, every walk of life, every ethnicity, every personality. He just mashes us all together and he says, I want you to learn how to love. And so what if we saw every encounter that we have, every relationship that we have in the church, in our families, wherever, and saw them as an opportunity to grow, especially when they're difficult for one reason or another. And we see that, that, that that's spiritual formation. Every encounter with another human being is an opportunity for spiritual formation. Will I choose to love that person like Jesus has loved me? Megan also writes this. In the church, affection is not reserved for someone we just especially like, nor is it to be withheld from someone that we find awkward or difficult. We don't express affection only for the people of our choosing. We express affection for the people of God's covenant choosing. So, you're stuck with me. Even like when I'm super awkward and difficult, you're stuck with me. And, but I make the same promise to you, right? And as we learn to do that, that makes us shine like stars. So I just want to challenge you, would you, would you commit to taking a, a step uh, on, that, on that ladder? Would you commit uh, to those disciplines, re-engaging in, in public worship and making it a priority that we would buck that trend that is happening across American society? We would buck it and we would make it a priority in our lives again. We wouldn't give up meeting together, whether as a large group or, or house to house and that we would learn to love each other day by day, interaction by interaction, 
relationship by relationship, and we will shine as stars in the night. And God, there will be a revival of the Holy Spirit as we learn to do that. There will be a fresh move and a fresh wave of God as we experience the richness of God's community together. So thank you for uh, hearing God's word this morning. I want to tell you, it's a sign and a mark of a healthy church when we're eager to hear God's word. We want to sit under God's word. We want to hear it, and we want to walk inside of it. So thank you for, for uh, listening today and listening to the Holy Spirit today in this regard. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we, uh, we do love you. I just thank you for this wonderful family that you have placed my family in for us to be a part of. And I, I just pray your blessing and your favor over each person, each family here today. And Lord, I, I wanna humble myself before you as I know all of my brothers and sisters here desire to do, that in, as we just survey our relationships, maybe particularly the ones that feel hard or they feel difficult for one reason or another, that we want to repent, we wanna turn from ways in which we have not loved one another as you would call us to do so. And if there is something that you desire us to, to reconcile, to, to do different in, to act different in, that you would bring it to our mind, bring it to our heart that we could act on it. Help us to be aware as we go through our day today and our week this next week of every encounter, every relationship, every interaction and that we would be thinking the one another's. How can we love that way? And you are forming us and growing us and deepening our community as we do that with and for one another, as we do it in our families, as we do it in our neighborhoods, as we do it in our workplaces as well. So help us with that. We recommit to the discipline of gathering for weekly worship. We recommit to that discipline of a group Help us to connect. Lord, I pray as our groups meet all, all across our community this week that the presence of God would be among us. The Holy Spirit would be among us. The word would come alive as we open it together. That our prayer times would be fervent and real as we pray for one another, as we pray for our country and pray for our world together, knowing that you move when your people pray together. So thank you for that. So we just ask for that fresh move of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our church, that we would be that community that we read about in Acts 2, and that the world will take notice as we live and think differently. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen.